Pastor B. Hey. <laughs> Pastor B. Give me the BBB. And it's time for another episode of the Church Nerds. Uh, we're here today uh, with special guest today. Looking forward to introducing to him to you very soon. But well, we got Gabe Jordan, Dre Buford, uh, Norman Heath, Darrell Walls, and Brandon Travis here with us today. And we are excited about sharing with you uh, another great topic, another great episode. If you missed last episode, you got to go back and check it out. It was phenomenal. Crazy. Hilarious. 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 It, it was they so great, man. They struck us down, man. Can you believe that? They, they, yeah. they, they cut us down, man. Yeah, that, that probably was because of all that blasphemy y'all kept speaking. <laughs> okay, sir, sir. That's funny. Saying that Jay Sully's uh, 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 Star Spangled Banner wasn't better than uh, what we heard from. Is she, uh, is she a old uh, girlfriend of yours or something? You got nicknames for it? <laughs> <laughs> Don't be a Jay Sully. Your life. <laughs> hey, I just noticed something, y'all. What? What you notice? Jay isn't here. Where is he at? Yeah. <laughs> he just be doing this nonsense. Right. I, I, I heard he got warrants out or something. So right. he got warrants out. He got he got warrants. Said, said he on the run, huh? Uh, <laughs> yeah, he out purchasing his John Wick suits for. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey, hey! Y'all gonna stop coming for the city, man. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I that, man. Y'all gonna city like that. I mean, but we all no. we all understand, you know, Chicago. Is not Palm Springs. Chicago's not uh, Arizona. It ain't ain't nothing but Chirac. Chicago is a beautiful place. So for for those that are coming to the international holy conversation, convocation, convocation, there we go. We'll have holy conversations there too. But for the holy convocation, please register for this wonderful event. We have a lot of phenomenal things. Um, Use wisdom as you walk the streets. So curfew, c- curfew is at 11 p.m. Curfew is at 11 p.m. Sidebar, <laughs> everybody on here registered? Yeah, yeah. I'm registered. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the first one to register. I always register first. I, was, I my, think I was number two. Represent, my, represent. My wife registered me because I wasn't going to do it. Uh. I'm standing outside the corner place. You don't register. Here's the crazy part. We got we got to make sure we clarify this. Okay, so because some people have heard misstep things. So. You don't need a registration badge to get into church. That's real. Right. Seriously, right. I, I was surprised. I got a call. Somebody had heard that, and they were upset. Yeah. Real. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you come, don't need a registration please, badge to come to the church. Please come and hear the word of the Lord. That's for free. That's for free. It is open and free to anybody and everybody. We are not in a call. No special privileges to hear the word of God. Are the ho- are the hotel rooms booked up or they gone? They gone, brother. No, no rooms left. No room. So, but there's another there's another hotel around the corner, isn't it? There's, from there's uh, like, there's man, like, don't nobody want to like go four. to the Step Brother Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's like four hotels right there. Hey, hey, but I but I, I can't stay. But I will <laughs> say in Palm hotel. in Palm Springs, the Step Brother Hotel was nicer than the Magic Hotel. That's so. true. Uh, I don't know, think you're gonna get that in Chirac though. So just actually, no, the probably the. Marriott around the corner is newer and probably more updated than the hype. Yeah, Chicago hotels be be slapping. It is downtown too, so yeah, that's true. Man. It it ain't downtown. It ain't, it ain't quite downtown. It's close. Almost, yeah, close. Enough. Okay, it's on the lakefront. Just take that. There you go. <laughs> yeah, <Give me> <laughs> anyway. go, go go ahead and join us at the convocation. 
Join right, us. Just be there. And be while there. you're at it, I need you to like. I need you to tag. I need you to share. Uh, drop uh, some comments in the comment line. Uh, that you registered and that you come to Holy Convocation. Why not? I mean, you just ought to be there. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and, and we got to remind the people, Brian. We got to remind the people. Uh-huh. If y'all want the church nerds to, to do the, the the announcement about 2024, yeah. tag Bishop Ford, Bishop elect Michael Ford. Tag him in tag there. Him. Let him know <laughs> that the church nerds should do it because, again, I always get blamed for this video not playing, and I'm yeah. tired of this. So yeah. <laughs> this year it's really not gonna play. So right. so yeah, this year it may not play at all. We may not find out where we're gonna be at until next January. I don't know. We'll see. But you know, I'm just saying we're not gonna hold it hostage. But you know, find out in 2024. You may find out in 2024 where you'll be at in 2024. But anyway, today we got a great conversation prepared for us. Uh, we got a special guest, uh, 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 great man of God. Man of uh, God. Is going to join, right. Is joining us today. Uh, and we're going to have a, a brief discussion, just kind of talking about tradition, kind of part two of a discussion we've already started. Yeah. Uh, but we've got a different guest today uh, to help us in, uh, with this conversation. None other than the suffragette bishop himself. Mm. It's to be, be open. Be open. Uh, from the office of protocol. That's right. <laughs> Bishop, Bishop Daryl Thayer, y'all. He's here in the house. Yes. We done made it, y'all. We done made it. We on the top now. <laughs> we got the Bishop here. Right. They, they, they ain't got no choice but to let us announce it now. <laughs> We've been approved. <laughs> we got the blue check mark. <laughs> How you doing, right, Bishop? Sir? I am good. I'm enjoying myself, and uh, thank you for the invitation to be a, a part of this discussion tonight. And uh, I, I would put in my vote as well that uh, the church nerd should do uh, the the um, hey. the announcement. You heard uh, it here. Uh, you heard it here. To ensure. That there are no technical issues. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> we, 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 we got six people, seven people that will be able to make sure. You know, we, we have to sign it to you. We're going to do something. Right. right. Because, you know, I, I've always found it kind of odd that a person interviews a video of themselves saying something else. Uh, that is true. Yeah. Yeah. Stop it, Norman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Ford gonna block us. <laughs> you just killed it. You just <laughs> Thank you, Norman. All, all of our chances, <laughs> man. You'll be like, Norm, put this graphic up. Now nobody <laughs> watch this show. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's free advertisement. Come on. And that, uh, <laughs> and it sounds just like them too. Uh, but yeah, uh, Bishop Ford, uh, uh, excuse me, Bishop, Bishop Ford ain't even here, Bishop Ford. <laughs> uh, we, uh, we're grateful for you being here. Uh, we often uh, ask our guests uh, a, a few questions just to uh, see just how nerdy they are. Uh, and so uh, we're, uh, we're going to tap into your, uh, your nerdy knowledge today hey. uh, and ask you a few things. Uh, I think my first question, and then uh, any of my fellow nerds can just kind of jump in wherever you want to. But I just want to know uh, from you, DC or Marvel? Mm. Dun, dun, dun. Pick the right one, Bishop. Pick the right one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> flying around in the air. Come on, Bishop. You got it. <laughs> you see how these. Right. <laughs> 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 
Well, I, I'll I'll say this. Uh, because I have to minister the opening night of Holy Convocation, uh-huh. uh, I will refuse to answer the question on the ground. I ain't going Friday night. He said he liked DC. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Only Brandon Travis will do that. The rest of us. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You, you you know the 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 Marvel and the DCU rivalry is kind of like the Apple and the Android. You know, uh, nobody really like you know. Bad, Mar- man, the Apple Android battle is it, it tore apart families. Yeah. It's, it's a little it's a little phonism there. You know, it a little is, racism. It is colorism in the kingdom. That's what yeah. it is. Yeah. <laughs> because it comes all down to this color of this bubble. It's yeah. colorism. I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> they'll get over themselves one of these days because the only people who got a problem with it is the people who got that other bubble seriously that apple hey. bubble they don't want right. the we, we just is this causing division the Bible <laughs> <laughs> hey business that I ain't signed up for this <laughs> we, we trying to make announcements uh-huh. we, we trying to hold up unity uh-huh. so we, we got we, we got invited people to hold a convocation only to divide <laughs> <laughs> I hear I hear the scripture say choose ye this day who you uh-huh. <laughs> 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 yeah oh so we, we got now we see we, we in trouble y'all we got three passes on this call no I'm sorry we have three passes and an assistant pastor so uh-huh. that, I, I, feel like, I feel like we don't we don't count. <laughs> you count in the kingdom game. We we don't be on the calls. We don't get the emails. But you got but you got ecclesiastical garments now. You got official PCAFI ecclesiastical garments. That's right. <laughs> Bishop of Protocol. All right, goodness. All right, y'all. It's been good. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go over the topic, uh, Brian. I know. Well, well, we didn't hear from the bishop. I think we just kind of ended up uh, not hearing from the bishop about DC versus Marvel today. Uh, uh, Well, I I will. I will say this. uh My 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 favorite uh, one would be Spider Man. So that puts me. Mm. I know. Y'all give it up for the bishop. Give it up for the bishop. Give it up for the bishop. I have one more question for uh, Bishop Fair. Yes, sir. Toby McGuire, Spider Man. Uh, Andrew Garfield, Spider Man. Uh, or Tom Holland, Spider Man. Which one do you prefer? Toby. Let's give it up. I can, I can respect that. I can respect that. I hope you enjoyed I hope you enjoyed going to the Illinois State Council because apparently <laughs> you may not be welcome back here anymore. I'm not coming back to Michigan. <laughs> you come back to Illinois State may look at you kind of funny next time while you go he, see while he preaching while you preaching at the convention, all I'm gonna see is this red circle while he preaching. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> We got a clip that we're going to show here in just a, a few minutes to kind of preface our conversation today. Uh, we want you to like, tag, share in the comments. 
invite somebody else in uh, to this conversation. Uh, our clip is is of uh, our presider, uh, Bishop uh, Lambert W. Gates uh, Sr. And, uh, and Norm, are you ready to put that clip up? Let's just take a listen in uh, at the conversation and then we'll, uh, we'll kind of go forward from there. Yes, sir. Okay, here we go. If the foundation be destroyed, Y'all not gonna like me tonight. <laughs> and I'm not talking about fogies about this talked about the fathers. I don't want everything that the fathers did. Mm. Some things they did were excessive. Yes. I think we know that. That's not a critique, it's just the fact. But but I was talking to somebody earlier today. What the next generation did, <laughs> they overcorrected. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Oh, help me, Holy Ghost, to make sense tonight. Preach, Bishop. They wanted to get rid of a lot of the shackles and a lot of the excesses. And, 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 and perhaps we should get rid of that to be effective. But, but don't throw out the power. Mm. We still need the power. Mm. Preach, Bishop. <laughs> That's good. That's good. good. Uh, we got. We kind of got. At, uh, we just come out coming out of the Indiana State Conference, and uh, Bishop kind of uh, did an impromptu towards the end of uh, our, our morning session, um, and kind of dug into this topic quite a bit. And so, some of my questions will kind of be some uh, just follow ups to some of the things I heard him say. Uh, but uh, Bishop Fair, how about you just start by just giving your initial reaction to what you just heard uh, Bishop Gates say? One of the things that I, I can appreciate uh, about our presider, um, and, and I'll put it in a little bit of, of context, um, <clears throat> Bishop Gates has been my pastor since 1999. And, uh, and so having the privilege of being in fellowship and then you know connection with him over the years, the, what he said in the pulpit there in, in uh, I think it was at Refuge, isn't that right, uh, in, in New York City, um, what he said in the pulpit is a part, in my estimation, a part of a larger conversation that he's been having for several years. Mm -hmm. um, when I was watching the clip, I was thinking about a conversation that he and myself and I want to say two other ministers were having um, in the older part of Cam uh, Indy. And, and I'll sh share how old the conversation was. We were talking about how, we asked him, you know, how do you feel about brothers wearing dreads in, in the choir? Mm. You know, so that's how mm. far back this this goes. I wasn't even pastoring then. I've been pastoring this year almost 18 years. So this is wow. probably about a 20 to 19 year old conversation. And mm. I remember what he said. He, he, one of the things he said in the conversation was, he says, We've got to learn how to, you know, make sure that we're balanced. That's something that uh, he believes in, making sure that we're balanced in our approach to life and ministry. And uh, but this is when while he was talking, it, the whole conversation uh, came to my mind. And he said in the conversation, he said, um, he said, I'm trying to figure out at the time. Again, this is almost probably 19, 20 years ago. He said, I'm trying to figure out where I land on on this issue. And then he looked at all three of us and none of us were pastoring at the time. He said, now, he said, this is what I'm dealing with. 
because back then it was kind of an issue. Ooh, can you be saved and still wear the? Yeah. And of course yeah. now, of course now you can see it everywhere. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. male and female. But he he looked at all of us at the bottom of the stairs and said, he said, now, this is what I'm dealing with right now. He said, I don't quite know exactly where I, I would land on it. And I don't think I would, I'll get in trouble for, for sharing this. But he said, he looked at all three of us. He said, now, I don't know what y'all going to do when y'all start pastoring and walked off. Uh. <laughs> and so you, you fast forward, you know, decades and we're dealing with a lot of innovation. Uh, I'm sure you probably, you guys probably talked about the uh, the uh, service in Germany, where you know it was an AI produced uh, sermon. And mm. uh, yeah, they, oh yeah, I haven't heard. Oh man, it's it's yeah, well, it's out there. But it it was a about hundred or so. No, I'm sorry, a couple hundred people showed up in a in Germany at a service. And they did live praise and worship, but then they dropped the screen for an AI produced sermon. And oh, um, I have heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and they they put a person of color with a little beard, you know, mm -hmm. as the you know, so I, I feel a little kind of way about that, but that's mm -hmm. that's just me. So I just there there for one it has there there has to be a balance. Um and I think with everything that's happening in our world now with certain stores closing and shifting their business online. The only thing that keeps our church viable and keeps people coming, I believe now and in the future is the experience that they have in the mm -hmm. sanctuary. Mm -hmm. uh, because mm -hmm. I, you cannot, you cannot reproduce via AI or any other level of technology. You can't reproduce the anointing. Right. There's right. an experience that um, that you just can't reproduce. And so there's got to be a balance where we are progressive, but we are anchored and tethered to to the power and to the doctrine of the church. And I think you can have both. But the the longer the Lord delays is coming, it seems like the tighter it becomes in trying to make decisions on how to be progressive and yet, you know, balance at the same time. That's awesome, Bishop. That's real good. Yeah, I got a quick question for you, uh, Bishop. Mm -hmm. um, just watching you from the outside, I'm glad that you uh, made all that known uh, regarding your perspective um, and innovation and tradition and stuff like that. Looking at your ministry, it's almost, I, I don't want to say like a, just a clone of Bishop Gates at all, mm -hmm. because you're your own man and you're your, you, know, you have your own unique anointing, but you guys both have that balance of staying rooted, you know, in the apostolic doctrine and our traditions and stuff like that, while at the same time being progressive as well. My question to you is, have you always had that mindset? But if not, what exactly was kind of the trigger to you shifting that mindset from hyper-traditionalism to kind of like making sure everything is balanced? I, I, I tell people, that's a great question. I tell people all the time that I spent half of my life in the PAW. I'm originally, well, I'm in Buffalo now, but I'm originally from a little small city in Indiana called Anderson, Indiana, not too far from Indianapolis. And I was uh, raised there. My wife was raised in Muncie, Indiana. Uh, we got married and uh, moved to Indianapolis. And so um, I was raised in a very conservative 
Uh, we used to we used to say strict back in the day, but I'll say mm-hmm. <laughs> conservative. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just like saying, you know, um, you can have food in the basement. Now it's the fellowship hall. So instead of mm-hmm. saying strict, I'll say, I'll say very conservative, <laughs> very conservative. So um, you're right. Uh, approach. And so I came up when we couldn't do anything. We we couldn't play sports because the, the shorts weren't long enough. Um, uh, all of our females, you know, always had to have on skirts. My sister, before she was saved, was always going to school in skirts. And so very, very traditional um, approach. One thing I appreciate about that is that the doctrine of the church and the faith of the church was embedded in us through Sunday school, through Bible study, through two Sunday services. Um, and if you had an afternoon service, three mm-hmm. services on a, on a mm-hmm. Sunday. And that wasn't like one of these multi-site things. It's just how we did it. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be honest, what what helped me is when Bishop Gates became my pastor. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. he would say things that I wasn't used to hearing pastors say. Um, uh, and again, I'm hoping I'm, I'm not going to get in trouble, but I, if I do, I'll, I'll throw uh, <laughs> I'll throw dick and heat under the bus. I, I knew it was like, like, how, how is he going to find a way to say my name? <laughs> I, I said, he put me up to a bishop. Um, but he... He would say things like, I, I remember when, um, back when it was Mount Zion and then Apostle, I remember when there was a conversation around whether or not, you know, the sisters would be allowed to wear earrings. Mm. Um, I remember that. And I remember uh, having a conversation, church-wide conversation, as to whether or not, you know, it was okay to go to the movies. I still remember mm. those kinds mm-hmm. of things. Mm-hmm. And, oh, wow. so, and so he... Uh, he made a statement one time about some issue. He said, um, as a pastor, I'm setting the tone and tenor for the congregation. And um, for right now, we're going to do X, Y, and Z. And he said, he said these words, I'll never forget. He said, and don't try to find the scripture for it because ain't nothing in there. Um, I'm just doing this for the sake of our church. And he wasn't saying it in some dogmatic way. He was just saying, it is the prerogative of the pastor in this context mm-hmm. to set the tone because um, there's certain things that the scriptures may not address specifically, but for the um, the tone and the tenor of that house, you got to be able to do some things. So being around him, uh, him making statements like that caused me to have a different lens in looking at the scriptures. Um, before I started pastoring, I restudied the whole concept of salvation. Um, because I said, hey, we, we can argue over jewelry, makeup, and everything else, but one thing I got to know for sure is yeah. the one way of salvation. And so I went through and I studied as if I didn't know anything at all. And whatever the scriptures said and whatever I learned, the truth, that's what I believed. And so that became this, from 99 up until now, this bridge into uh, where we are now. And um, it's weird for me in some context, because when I was pastoring in Buff or in Fort Wayne, um, of course, it was very, very small church. We started from scratch. And I'll say this real quick. The praise team at the time, you know, we didn't have any issues with, you know, pants in the pulpit. Um, my pastor would always say, hey, when you go there, you set it up any kind of way you want to. He said, "I'm, you know, you have a free hand. You can set it up however God leads you. And um, all the way now in Buffalo and when we came, you know, everybody was in skirts and all that kinds of but even today, uh, some of our praising you know, members were, sisters were in pants. And if you 
would have told me back in the mid nineties that I would mm. see that and as a pastor and I would mm-hmm. be okay okay with it, I'd be like, Oh no, Mm-mm. devil is a lie. You know, they're not saved if they do that. <laughs> mm. <laughs> it it wasn't I didn't turn on a dime. It was a slow progress um for me. Um the first service we ever had in Fort Wayne. I asked a friend of mine, I said, I need you to do hospitality. And I told her, I said, I want you to wear pants, though. I want you to wear pants and greet people at the door so that I'll know how I feel about somebody that I know is saved, but, mm. you know, they're operating wow. in this context. Mm. And that helped, you know, uh, kind of bridge us into uh, where, where we are now. So it's it's all about balance, but you got to make sure you you do it right. You, you We can't throw out foundation, can't throw out scripture. Um, but how we apply it um, is, is where that balance comes in. Well, so I, I guess I guess a question for me, and this is for yeah. you know, any anybody or pastor, or whatever, what have you, for that. I mean, in, in the era we are in now, it's almost like, to your point, a bishop, the experience is very, very, very important. Um, but if we look at how the world even operates with with social media, we know when we first started off, Facebook was the devil. But now mm-hmm. everybody, now everybody on Facebook, right? Mm-hmm. But, but now the pandemic it, did that. The pandemic did, right? <laughs> but but yeah. now we have a situation where Facebook is now for old folk, right? Mm-hmm. And it, then Instagram is <laughs> a big thing. But now Instagram is for old folk. So now mm-hmm. you're on a situation where you're on TikTok now, and TikTok has kind of reduced us to a really short amount of time yeah. of doing this. So I guess mm-hmm. I guess my question is, this could be for any pastor as far as that. How do you capture a young person's mind in? 120 seconds just to get them and then and then without without losing that foundational element which does take time i'm not certain i know how um i think part if if i were to be honest as well uh or more honest I, i would say where i am right now is probably also because of when i was born i was born in 1975 and so I got the tail end of the conservative church, while at the same time we were changing over into a more contemporary uh, approach. And so for me, in my, in my context, I think that if you have younger people around you, let them do that. Because I don't, I don't know how to put it, you know, uh, mm-hmm. even the clip that we just saw that with Bishop, it's called a short. You know, <laughs> so it's like, how do you put, you know, everything in a, um, a soundbite and still have content? And I, I think that goes back right. to uh, 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 leadership evolving. And when I say leadership evolving, yeah. I'm not saying the individual themselves evolving, but that as the generations go, they start to see a leader that exemplifies and looks like them, even if it's not the same person. So mm-hmm. how do we place the right leaders in front of this generation that can hold on to the foundation necessary to sustain who we are as a people of God, uh, yet do that and, as Paul says, become all things all men, that I might by all means win some. So how do I take this foundation and position it under a a new generation in a way where they receive it and we can win those to be won? I would say, I would say, so go ahead, Brandon, you you go. Go ahead, Norm. You got it. Go no, ahead. I, I, all I want to say, and another brand to go. I think it may start, and I say this in jest, but it's really, really serious. If you look at, there are some ministries that I've personally seen where your youth leader is forty years old. Oh yeah, and your and, and your youth leader 50. Not, 
not only has children, but, but their children have children. Uh, so uh, now it's like, wait a minute. Yeah. How, how are you? What's happening here? Because grandma is so, the youth leader. So it's like, how can how can grandma at 40 uh, relate to somebody at 18? I don't know. Go, go ahead, Brandon. I'm sorry. I was I was just going to mention on that on that topic, like the short or the clip is just the door and we can't, you know, make it the end all be all um, because there's still that touch that has to go forward. And we have to build what we should have in our church is community. I think community mm. goes a long way in a church because as to your point, we have, you know, many different generations in a church. But if you learn to build communities around those in different individuals and then mix those communities, then you can take that clip and then explain it, then apply it, then mm -hmm. go beyond just those 120 seconds. Because mm -hmm. what the 120 seconds is just the door opener, right? We want somebody to open the door. But when they open the door, what are they going to find? And that's yeah. where I think yeah. Yeah. Um, we have to be cognizant of what are we providing? Okay, we can post a clip real fast. Boom, cut it, chop it, edit, boom, post it. All right, what's next? Yeah. Another clip? Well, at the end of the day, there's got to be a face or there's got to be a group. There's got to be somebody behind that clip. And I think we've been so uh, digitized and so uh, on the Internet to where we forget about that face to face touch, which is still required. Because when the church was growing, as all you know, they went from house to house. Right. Breaking yeah. bread, building yeah. that community and I think that, that and fellowship, yeah. uh, which means singleness of purpose. So, I mean, that's what I think has to happen with the clip. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Um, I, th I think I think the pandemic, again, I know we, we, we haven't talked about it much tonight, but I did mention it earlier, really transitioned people to become comfortable just not being in the building. And and so a lot of people aren't coming back. And so I think there is there is a there is some exploration that has to happen as to what do we do to to minister to the needs of the individual who is never coming back to the brick and mortar again. Let, let, let me let me ask uh, a question tonight of, of mm -hmm. you brothers. And uh, and I, I I feel like I'm I'm <laughs> I'm probably I'm getting ready to sound like my pastor. You know, you you all help me out. You, 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 as long as you don't start snapping and slapping your chest, you feel good. <laughs> Look, as long as you don't ask the question and then go off screen like Mr. Gates put up yeah. there. <laughs> what are the what are the reasons? I, I won't even I won't even call them excuses, but what are some of the reasonings that you have heard or may have heard from people who have not? Uh, I'm not saying that you may know of who have not really come back to church and then some who are are not as consistent as they used to be um what is what are the the reasonings that you all have heard um for that because i think it goes to uh, uh pastor's question you know about the exploration because people are still going on vacations and doing other things so mm -hmm. but w what have you guys heard as far as the reasoning but why I, I think Dre should go first. He, he's the most vocal. <laughs> yeah, way, way to throw your brother under the bus. <laughs> way to throw your with, with the disclaimer. With the disclaimer that we are not responsible for any <laughs> the views represented in this. <laughs> um, 
so uh bishop Barry, you said your question was what are the reasoning that what's the reasoning that people don't come to the establishment anymore um well i'm gonna speak for the millennials i can't speak for a normal generation um, not, not, uh, many, not many, not many can, son. Not many can. Most, most of us are dying out. As, as <laughs> you know, I, I call his generation got dark real quick. <laughs> I, I call his, I call his generation the clubbing generation. So you know, they they probably still at the club, but uh, but just from a standpoint of. Uh, I, I think um, Norman kind of hit it on a point. It, it's it's just the attention span, uh, I, and I think with social media, there's so much propaganda and remedial information that goes around uh, that gives the church a bad face, and the church gives the church a bad face mm. um, for some of our brothers, of course, who you know who, who don't conduct themselves accordingly still in a professional manner while preaching the word of God, but doing extra, yeah. you know, things that kind of, cause you know, I feel like anybody in the world understands the church still. Cause I feel like it was just instilled in everybody um, at some point in their walk of life, you know, and, and the morality that we uphold in the church and what we stand for and what we don't stand for. So when they see certain things within the spectrum of social media and the propaganda that comes out um, and the examples that we as a generation of millennials have, I think it just turns them off. Um, and, and if nothing hits home, you can't be relatable to them. Uh, they're just, they might go try to seek refuge elsewhere under a different shepherd um, or they just just might go cold turkey, you know, and make up an, an excuse not to be a part of the body of Christ because they're in denial about maybe something is just wrong with their, you know, their spiritual awareness, you know, that they can't grasp that, you know, at the time that they need to. And they just kind of veer off as a runaway. Um, and sometimes. Church hurt is real, but some some people may blame it on church hurt because that's what everybody else is doing. But they just they just have no 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 attention or you know aspect of wanting to be in church anymore because they've talked themselves out of it. So it's it's, it's yeah. go ahead, Brendan. I was I was gonna say too. I've I've heard well one I've heard two things. One's comfortability. People just got comfortable at home. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, uh, that too they've been doing church for home through the pandemic. They're like, well, why mm -hmm. can't I continue this? What, right. what, what difference, you know, do I have to I felt Jesus in my living room. But <laughs> 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 we know the Bible, you know, tells us and teaches about coming into the house of faith and things that happen in, in the Lord's house. Um, but also probably like from the millennial standpoint, like when uh, Dre was talking, a lot of young people in my generation or people I knew personally, they wanted at a time to do things in the church. Mm -hmm. They had the drive, they had the want to to get involved, but they were blocked. Um, be it somebody may felt they were too young, somebody didn't want to relinquish power, whatever it is. And from that blockage, when the pandemic happened and church was kind of put on a hiatus mm -hmm. as far as going, 
they you know use that and remember that well these people didn't want me to be active they didn't want me to flow or do whatever you know so i'm not going back so i've heard that too and, and what's crazy is is i hear a lot of feedback from you know i, I would call a uh substantial i don't like using mega the mega church term anymore I'm substantially successful churches mm. um mm. and they have things to do for people so sometimes when when you know you sometimes a lot of millennials are, are busybodies. I, I i tend to think we all have a, a certain form of adhd we can't sit still <laughs> and our attention span is crazy so if we're not doing anything you know we're not being kept in a mindset to stay. Mm -hmm. So we have to venture off and go somewhere else if we're not being used. And what certain aspect of being used in the church is, is, you know, it's the normal, you know, singing on a praise team, being a musician. Um, I happen to love being a deacon. You know, that's, that's, I, I love that role. Cause I mean, oh, I'm busy. Yeah, I'm deacon. busy. <laughs> you, you silly, you silly. I'm, I'm a bit, I'm a bit, I'm a busybody now, so I'm actually doing stuff in the church, and it's keeping my mind, you know, occupied mm -hmm. instead think, of venturing I, off and, and, and feeling like I have no value here, mm -hmm. and just keeping me to my thoughts, mm -hmm. and those thoughts can be negative just because of the influence from other aspects of media and things of that nature. Yeah. Go ahead, Brian. Yeah. No, I, before, before Brian, real quick, I just want to kind of dovetail what you were saying, Drake. I would say because of my generation, even though, even though I'm not much older, <laughs> right? But no, but no, no. But what you were saying, honestly, is to me is not really generational, right? Oh, okay. I mean, be, because, oh. like, mm -hmm. for example, when I I graduated in '98, it is what it is. So when we graduated, <laughs> they were. Dang, Whoa. 98. Whoa. You old, dog. I didn't think you were that old. Wait a minute. 98. Okay. For, for, time out. Time out. All, I was three years old. All this time, uh, I'm thinking we're, you know, neck and neck in our age. I guess not. I'm not saying that in a bad way. I came out in 93. Bob Bishop, you're saying you're younger than Norman. No, he's older than me. Okay, <laughs> no, I came out in, 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 in 93. Right. So, yeah, I'm, you, I'm younger than Bishop, but I'm older than the rest of the guys. But that's okay, though, because yeah. last time last time Gabe learned, he started tripping. I kicked him off the show. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mess with tech support. Hey, I hey. know. I know. And so, but no. But, but, hey, I'll chill in that back room for a minute. I ain't going to lie. He <laughs> <laughs> put you in timeout. <laughs> But no, but I, to, but I was saying when we graduated, there were, I want to say, eighteen of us. We were at a large grade reading class, right? And now most of them are gone because there was nothing holding them mm -hmm. in the church. I mean, mm -hmm. what kept me obviously, my mother was worked in a church office, so I was always around doing stuff, and it kept me there. Mm -hmm. You know, my, my 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 good friend, he was in the praise team, he sang at the choir. That kept him there. Other ones, they went off to college and found life, and they was they gone. Mm -hmm. And now you fast forward in time, you have a missing section of people. Yeah, that yeah. that are just gone. Where yeah. the, the the older ones are urging out, the younger ones are not there yet. But mm -hmm. then this section of people that will be filling in the block is gone. Mm -hmm. And that's exacerbating, in my opinion. That that is what makes this problem worse. 
It's because now there's a larger gap to try to interpret for when, you know, different things are said in the church or, you know, different decisions are made in the church. There, there's not that buffer, that bridge in the middle to say, all right, come here. Let me, let me help you understand what, what grandpa's saying. Cause you know, I know what you heard, but that's not what he meant. Let I've heard him say that before. Let me help you understand what he was trying to say. And with that being absent, then you got a whole generation of young people who are going, did he just say that to me? I don't got to put up with that. The government, yeah. I can do what I want to do. I, I'm going to go down the street because down the street, they ain't going to say that to me because the past are only two years older than me. So they're going to say what I what I understand and what I want to hear. So bye. And, and now we have a bigger gap. And now we have a church with no future because I got a whole generation missing. Well, my well, I have a question for um, Bishop Fair. Mm-hmm. Um, what have you? Because when I look at your church, um, just looking at the history of of your church, you know, from Bishop Halton and stuff, like it was really much so uh, traditional mm-hmm. uh, ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, but then here you come, um, bringing innovation while remaining true. Um, to the doctrine, uh, mm-hmm. the apostolic doctrine, and now I see people. I don't just see, you know, older people at your church, but I see people like you know my sister Rebecca, who are who is consistent in serving while still being unique, you know, to herself. Mm-hmm. What was your approach, if you had a specific approach, uh, to that ministry, um, regarding making sure young people are consistent? in their participation, um, like Rebecca. Yeah, we we so- had we had someone, uh, one of our members put together a documentary for our church. Our church will be 42 years old in December. Wow. And it was wonderful. Yeah, yeah. you don't hear that no more. Um, wow. any, uh, what, I said, what I said during the, um, uh, the last council in, in Michigan that I was a part of and ministered, and I said what I said to Lady Singleton, um, her husband, of course, and herself started that ministry in their living room. And um, mm-hmm. Bishop Halton, for his day and for his time, was doing some very innovative things, mm-hmm. traditional in the doctrine. But he was doing some innovative from the businesses that he would start, from the daycares they hosted. Um, Senator Clinton, when she was running, she came literally wow. came to the campus. There are pictures of of her and him and others. Um, so from from that standpoint, he was doing some very innovative things within his within his day while still yeah. being traditional in in the doctrine. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was from eighty one, you know, all the way into the ninety growth spurt and and things of that nature. Uh, but to your point and the point that had been made, it was still a time where Sunday school, back when it was still called Sunday school, was still <laughs> solid. You had, you know, youth ministry that was still solid. And so, you know, you had a youth choir. And so those individuals, the, the youth of that day, were the ones when we got there who were now young adults. And some of the children uh, or some of the younger ones who have now were uh, young adults when we came and teenagers when we came. I was not, and this is a transparent moment for me in pastoring, I was not as attentive 
as I should have been to that generation because Mm -hmm. I was just trying to figure out, you know, the lay of the land. I'm a new guy. I don't know anyone in the state of New York. So I'm just trying to get my bearings as a pastor, but did not understand from the timing. um, The Bible talks about um, the sons of Issachar. They they knew, you know, what they should do because of the time. Mm -hmm. I was just, you know, in some aspect, tunnel visioned in that, aspect and we lost a generation mm-hmm. so our church even though we have some college students that are there and things like that we we do have a gap in in our church mm-hmm. and so i had to learn quicker um how to take someone's interest find a place for them but i think pastors nowadays have to also be innovative enough to say hey this person has this particular interest or this particular passion. We don't have this ministry in our church. Let them start that ministry yeah. in the church. Yeah. Um, and, and you, you know, you, you have to be, you know, of course, led of the Lord and we don't know all those things, but mm-hmm. sometimes what keeps people grounded is having something to do. And right. even oh, if yeah. it's not something that, you know, we've, well, we've never done that before. If it's going to keep them, they got a passion, let them do it. Let them grow as a leader in that. You know, it could be an evangelistic tool that's used to get other people to, to come. And so uh, people like Rebecca, um, there's so many uh, colleges like, like Michigan and Chicago in our area. And so she came from Rochester to go to school. Yeah. And so when she came, I was like, oh, I know, you know, she's going to be here for, you know, a few years and then she's going to go back to Rochester or go, you know, we have to deal with the brain drain, you know, in some of our Mm -hmm. geographical areas where people come get their education, but they're, I'm gone. You know, there's nothing tethering them there. Mm -hmm. And so um, she ended up staying, got her MBA and she's still there. She's working for a Fortune 500 company now, but you give them room. And Mm -hmm. I had to learn as a pastor take my hands off of things mm-hmm. and not micromanage, give them, set up the pace, set the culture, and then put people in place that can carry it through. And so right now, beautiful. Can, you, can, can, can you say that again? I just need to. We just need to clip that. You about to get your own short? <laughs> but it's but it's true. If you if you look at it, and, and uh, preachers do this all the time, so I, I'll take twenty seconds and say this: Jesus never pastored a multitude. He pastored twelve. Yeah. And then at some at some point, maybe 70 right. to 85 or so individuals and those individuals went out and did the ministry. The 70 mm. that went out two by two, they the Bible says they went into places where he would later himself go into. Um, but they had responsibility. He, he wasn't, you know, all right, I want y'all to go to, to y'all. Y'all go here. I'm going to be on the, on the sidewalk and watch and see what's going to happen. No, he let them go. And then he mm-hmm. later would go. So there has to be a time when pastors understand their limit. I, mm-hmm. I know I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm not good at. Mm-hmm. I know my ceiling. Um, probably like some of you brothers um, growing up, if you've been around church, I grew up playing the drums. Um, I've got a fairly decent sized family. All of us played something. 
from trombone to trumpet, saxophone, bass. Um, I started off on the drums, moved to the keyboard and, and the organ. But I, I can't play drums anymore. If y'all get, to, if I'm on the drums, y'all start shouting. I'm looking for somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> my, my calf gonna lock up on me. Can't do it. So it's you have you have to know your your limit as a pastor as a leader, and pray that God sends people for the vision that God is giving you, and when they show up, train them and release them. Mm. That's yeah. let them make let them make mistakes, but you that's what you're there for. Tweak it and throw them back out there again. They mess yeah. up, pull them in. You tweak them, send them out because we're none of us, we're, whatever stage we're in in ministry right now, none of us are going to be in the same place, you know, 50 years from now. I hope not. Um, but I, I know what it's like to have a youth leader that's in their 40s and, and, and 50s and, and the church I was raised in. Yeah. And, and I, I think I think that uh, the, the term obligation comes into place because people people feel stuck. Um, as if they can't bounce into a different, you know, realm spiritually or, or ministry wise, because they've been, I I don't want to use the word chain, but subdued to feel like I can't do anything outside of this because this is where my pastor placed me. Mm. So I don't want to, you know, their identity in that role. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's, That's very, very true. If you don't know who you are, and I, I do share yeah. this with leaders, if you don't know who you are without a title, mm. then you're already you're already in trouble. Uh, because the moment you are no longer in that position, mm. it's easy for you to fall away and mm-hmm. fall out of church, backslide because you were this person, you know. And that's when I think that bleeds over into being territorial. And that can block church growth sometimes. God is sending people. People are territory. This is my area. Yeah. You know, I, <laughs> I have a degree. I have a degree in sound. I just wanted to help. I'm not trying to take it. No, this is my area. You what you doing over here? Mm-hmm. And we can run. We can run people off. Good know. people at that. Good, good people. people. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I want to ask a quick question uh, uh, to both of the Durrells, actually. Uh, yeah, I was about to say, I was going to pick on Durrell in the, in the middle. I was like, you ain't said nothing all But Bishop, get your stance That Durrell actually also plays the drums and also plays the organ uh-huh. as well. <laughs> hey, and he preaches, too. That that belongs to the love of his life. Right, yeah. I, I'll, let, I'll let the wife, she can do the preaching. I, I'll just play behind her. That's about it. Uh, but no, I mean, one of the things I, I actually was about was I, I think we had to figure out a way to sort of increase that uh, for lack of a better term, the value proposition of coming to church. Um, why, you know, why should I spend my time, you know, depending on how far I am from the church, you know, right now, depending on between me and my wife, we, we kind of split membership right now. If we're going to, like, you know, Christ in Chicago, it's 45 minutes. If we're going to Christ in Bloomington, it's an hour and a half. So why should I spend that, that time driving there, you know, then spend the time being there you know, that, that's a, you know, if we're going to Bloomington, that's a three hours out of my day gone. 
We were there earlier mm-hmm. today. So Lord have mercy. Yeah, she actually had to preach in Bloomington this morning. So that was three hours just driving. You know, why, you know, I think that's the that's big insane. thing that we have to find out from people is how do we increase that value proposition to say, it's worth my time to actually go to the building while I can get the same message right at home. Mm-hmm. You know, even if I, you know, I love my church, you know, I love, you know, I love, you know, if somebody's going to camp or whatever, they, they may love camp and, you know, but is it worth it to come to camp mm-hmm. or just watch yeah. Gates at home? Right. Was, mm-hmm. was, since, since you called my church, I'm going to go ahead and. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, Norm, before you do that, I, I think I, I got a question to kind of help, uh, I, I think, uh, give some context, I think, to this conversation a little bit, because we've talked a little bit around uh, these larger ministries. I like I like Dre's very uh, academic way of putting it. Uh, I can't remember how exactly he put substantially. it. Uh, substantially successful <laughs> ministry. <That's right. laughs> we, we need a hashtag that somewhere. Uh, but, but that, that's going to be somebody's about, t-shirt. I'm a part of a substantially successful ministry. But when you think about like, when you think about legacy, like mm-hmm. Darrell, you go to a ministry that, you know, stems back to uh, Bishop Bell and, uh, you know, we talk about the Haltons and we, we talk about the, the legacy of Cam once Mount Zion and just like the legacy that comes with certain ministries. How does how do you all feel as members of those churches, and even others? Uh, I mean, even even you, Brandon, right? As, as members of those churches, how does legacy play into a church's or ministry's ability to be progressive and 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 move the needle further when uh, when when there's there's all of this history? That is behind you of a way of doing a thing and not just history. That's just history for the sake of history, but like history, history, book, history, like prestige, mm-hmm. you know, honorable men and women who stood for certain, you know, ways of doing things. Uh, how does that stagnate a ministry or even the people? Mm. Woo. Uh, <laughs> I, I think, I think I, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I, I, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a be. My mama said. My mama said. My, my, my mama said. You know, because you know, cause, cause you know we because because <laughs> what is wrong with you, man? <laughs> you see, you see, you see. Because <laughs> you know we. That, that that's actually that's actually a great question, Brian. Because I think like um like with my father um you know taking over for Bishop Mason. And then Bishop Mason taking over Bishop Thompson. Um, I think the way people looked at that was to 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 be a mirror of of that individual and not separate them into their own realm of individuality, you know. And when you do that with a person, uh, of course, all of you know, you you tend to put an individual on a pedestal. And when they don't meet up with your standards, you tend to bounce. Like, mm-hmm. like say if um, just just for 
um, a figure of speech. Say if, uh, you know, I'm, I'm gonna use I'm gonna use you, Bishop. Um, say if Bishop Ferrier took over for Cam. If, if God forbid, if if Bishop Gates was to walk away. Now, this being his spiritual father, and they have some characteristics that's close. People are going to be in the mindset like, oh. Yeah, I can't wait to help Bishop Barry. He reminds me a lot of, you know, Gates and, and his and his characteristics and things, his mannerisms. And Bishop Barry comes with a whole different innovative approach. Mm. You don't think half of the congregation is going to move on? Mm. That's just how it is when it comes to legacy. People put legacy in a perspective of he's like him instead mm. of he's being like himself. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's no perspective of self when you're taking over for somebody. It, it just, yeah, it it, it it just goes out the door, and it's like, you know, I know we were made in God's image, but we, we weren't made in man's image. So you you have to separate the two when somebody's thinking about legacy. And I think legacy. Is, go ahead, go ahead, Jordan. No, I, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I think no, 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 you good. Great question for Bishop Fair. You stepping in. For Bishop Halton, um, after his transition, how did you approach that? Because I'm sure a lot of the stuff that Andre is talking about, you may have mm-hmm. had an encounter with moving yeah. from Indy to Buffalo. How, how did you approach that? It, uh, I, with fear and trembling. Um, <laughs> 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 some, I, I'll be honest, some pressure I put on myself because mm. of who I thought Bishop Halton was. I never, uh, I'll put this in context. Um, my pastor and my predecessor were best friends. Mm-hmm. But I am not in Buffalo because my pastor put me in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Our church was an independent church. They had never been in any organization at all until I came. And it really, I, I waited six years mm-hmm. before. I wow. connected our church to the PCFI, and wow. and when I was installed, I had you know some conversations with, with with my pastor. Of course, he's like, you know, you're not forced to bring the church into the organization. You know, do whatever God's leading you to do. Mm. And so, I again, I come in not having had a conversation with Bishop Halton at all. Um, I only knew him from what I saw out of him preaching when they right. would come to uh, to Cam in, in Indy. And so I come in thinking, okay, not that I have to be like him, because that'll never happen, but mm-hmm. Lord, don't let me drop the ball too far. Right, <laughs> right, right, we, right. We, we no longer have a church, you know. Right. Um, so I had to, one, be true to myself, be true to what God has given me to do, um, realize that they wanted me, you know, the, mm. you know, they went through the bylaws and, you know, voted and all that kind of stuff. They wanted mm. me. So whatever right. they saw in me was me being authentically me. And, I, and I'll say this, when I was initially not a part of the process of, you know, being voted in and all that kind of stuff with the candidacy. Initially, I, I wasn't. Bishop mm-hmm. just sent me up like he would send other preachers up. And um, I went, I ministered. They asked Bishop, would he allow me to come back? Now, I'm already pastoring in Fort Wayne. Right. Mm-hmm. So when I come to Buffalo, I'm not thinking about moving. I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm getting back to Indiana. So I'm right. coming, I'm doing what I would normally do. 
And I hit the road. When they asked me to come back, I'm like, and they said, we want you to bring your family. So my wife and my girls come. <laughs> I was like, that up. They were setting you up. That's the interview. That's the interview. But, but Pastor, at the time, I didn't even, it didn't even cross my mind. Um, yeah. yeah. Cross, so we're there. And then my pastor said, hey, you know, they want you to be a part of the process. He said, now, <laughs> God, I hope I don't get a show. He said, now, you probably won't get it, but you know, you're young. <laughs> <laughs> he, said, he said, you're young. You know, there's some older candidates. You know, he said, but it'd be good for you to go through the process. And um, so I'm giving every when I do sit down with the board and of, of directors and the board of elders, I'm giving every young answer I can give. Because in my mind, I don't have anything to lose. Oh. So there were questions, you know, in the interview, they, if there's some things you don't know, you don't say, I don't know. I was. <laughs> I was that guy sitting in the chair. What would you do if so and so and so and so? Mm, that never happened know. to me. I won't be. <laughs> <laughs> right. never, don't, don't, start making, don't start making stuff up, huh? Yeah, so I'm, like, I'm thinking I'm not gonna get it. God, God, yeah. God wouldn't send me to plant a church in Fort Wayne. It didn't yank me in two years. That's that's right. what I'm thinking. So I'm giving every young answer I could give. But long story short, you know, we I had to be true to who who I was, but it took me a while to do that because mm. I felt the comparison that, that right. there was on. I felt it. Um, um, first church meeting, you know, uh, Bishop would have never done this. Da, da, da. I mm. went through some of those kinds of things. Mm. Um, but you, you, you work your way through that and you have to mm. rely on the fact mm. that God called you there. And this is, this is where I would challenge um, my daughter's generation, she, my uh, two daughters are 23 and 20. Um, Rebecca's name, y'all, y'all in this top right hand corner of the screen, I would challenge you all. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would challenge you all in that aspect because sometimes there's pressure. It's easy to say, well, I'm out. You know, I'm, I'm going down the street. They don't do me. Whereas legacy says, I'm I'm being formed. I'm being shaped. I'm being trained for something mm -hmm. different. And what I tell people all the time, your training in the kingdom often will never look like the end result. So mm -hmm. you can see the end result has been prophesied. Oh, God's got great things for you. But then you go mm -hmm. start going through the training process. It looks nothing like what. Mm. Uh, you, 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 you're never ready for the test after the training. Yes. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this, this cannot be what training it. looks like. Wow. But, it, but it shapes you and yeah. it forms you so that when you get to the next place, mm. when the pressure hits you, You've got something to 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 kind of stand on. Mm, one of the things good. that I, I I'll throw this and pivot a little bit back to you guys. One of the things Bishop uh, Gates challenges us on is uh, even in the pulpit he'll say things like, you know, legacy is wonderful, but does the generation that's coming up do they even want mm -hmm. what we're trying to protect? Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. if they don't if they don't want it then we're not going to have a church, you know, 30 mm -hmm. years from now. So mm -hmm. there has to be a blending mm -hmm. of generations, a, a blending of approach, um, a blending of whatever. And, and I, wanna, I do want to throw out this question. How far is too far? If you're, if you're, 
um, if, if you're asked the question when it comes to the blending of, you know, minds and the blending of approaches to ministry and services, let me ask, how far is too far? What, what would you say? Okay, well, this is a little too much. I think we're going off the rails now. So what would cause you to say, okay, we can't go this far? Where's, where's your, your boundary? I think uh, when it, uh, go, go ahead. Somebody else is talking. Go ahead. Norman. Uh, I, 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 would, right there. I would say for me, for me, going, going too far is if you're concerned that your end result is going to compromise the integrity of, of, of the ministry. If, gotcha. if, you're, if, if there's a concern about that, it's like, okay, mm-hmm. if we do this, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. Because, so like, I mean, I brought this up last time we had the topic. The, 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 I can't, I'm not going to say his name this time. Last time I got in trouble for saying his name. But <laughs> you but, might as well say it. <laughs> you're just going to go back. I'm, I'm, trying to learn, I'm trying to learn my lesson, okay? Social security, uh, everything. I got you. I got you, Lord. Go ahead. Thank, th- thank you. Thank you. No, no. Um, the, 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 the young pastor <laughs> who, who had the Easter service. I do it. I oh, you talking about Mike Todd? <laughs> yeah, Mike Todd. I to say myself. We mentioned him pretty much in the episode. We got he's a perfect he's a perfect example of too far. Let's just be honest. Okay, well, since 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 this has already been broached by my good friend Pastor Michael Todd, do you agree or disagree with what he did? I, I think he gets a. Sometimes I think he gets a bad rap because mm-hmm. of sound bites. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Instagram, TikTok, mm-hmm. people can take a slice of anything yep. and then have this full blown. I think mm-hmm. the latest one was you know the Easter thing and you know, with the demons but, and all that kind Mr. of stuff. Mister Fair, what about what about the spit incident? Now when you're trying to be illustrated, uh, come on, Brandon. Okay. Now you're just trying to stir up stuff. No, <laughs> you wasn't even talking about that. When you talk about people illustrating their sermons, well, how far is too far in innovation? Well, if, I, if, I didn't... You, if you go <laughs> in the era think, of COVID yeah. or even before yeah. COVID, you gonna yeah. put your <laughs> The only one that I saw that worked and it was miraculous was Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and then on top of that, I think there's two sides to that story because an individual standing and allowing this to take place. Yeah, we got an issue there too. So mm-hmm. I think I think we have to be accountable. Uh, uh, split both sides of the coin, right? We have to be I'm... accountable for not allowing too far to happen to us. Mm-hmm. And then we also have to be accountable for not taking things well, but, but see, Brian, see, Brian, though, I mean, I, I, we, we got to be kind of careful because you say there are two sides to it, because we have all yeah. been to it, been to services where people do some really weird stuff. Like in it, it, people do some really weird <laughs> stuff. <laughs> it's about it, like it, praise dancing and then laying your hands on somebody while you praise dancing. <laughs> And knocking them on the floor. Hey. Them on the floor. So, or, or, I mean, again, I, I have, I've been around. I've seen some stuff that maybe say, okay, that's kind of, I like, I mean, I've seen people put oil on the cloth and start smacking people with the cloth, saying this didn't noise, this didn't noise, and they're smacking people with cloth. Don't, don't nothing get more extraordinary than a Benny Hinn service. Yeah. <laughs> just, slinging and everything. Wouldn't this be kind of on a personal level, because I feel like there's an audience for all of that too. So like there is a certain audience that are drawn to that Mike Todd 
type of teaching to where he's using those, you know, extremes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, those illustrations, you know. those illustrations, and all things like that, you know, that they may not be drawn to, you know, the, you know, Christ of Chicago, you know, from Bishop Bell and all the rules and things like that. So isn't it, it may be kind of hard to say what is too far. I mean, as, um, until you get to the point where you're, you're, you're changing the gospel. To, to, to your point, I, and, I, and I, hear, I, hear, I hear what you're saying, um, because I think if you're, if you're shooting for, if your audience is a certain type, yeah. then you will set up the ministry to attract that kind of, of audience. Now, with that being said, if all you are after are the numbers mm-hmm. and not discipleship and salvation, then mm-hmm. your church can swell, but it may not grow. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you may not have That's nice. you know, like that. new growth. Um, if, if, if I left Buffalo and joined, uh, the church, uh, in Kokomo with, with, uh, Pastor Brian Evans, if, if I joined their church, their church, um, let's say my whole family, we all go to Kokomo and we join there. So the church grows by four. The kingdom has not grown at all. At all. Yeah. I'm, I'm already saved. Hey. And, and and so a lot of times <laughs> what we call, and this is a little bit my soapbox, a lot of times what we call church growth mm-hmm. is church transfer. Mm. The mm. church, the church may numerically grow, but the kingdom has not. So I think again, if you're only if you're after a certain audience, um, I'm trying to remember the guy who wrote the book, uh, Purpose Driven Church. Um, he set up Saddleback. In that same context, we want a certain kind of member. And then they went polling in the neighborhood to see what they would what what kind of what kind of church would you attend? Withdraw them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they set up that kind of a church. Now I'm not saying, you know, from a doctrinal standpoint, because uh, I don't know what they you know what they preach or or teach. But if I'm just trying to get a crowd. Mm-hmm. Then I, I could see a sermonic, um, uh, sermonic, uh, like a skit slash sermon. It's not the right word I'm, I'm looking for. Um, I know Bishop Ellis. Yeah, illustrated sermon. Yeah, mm-hmm. I could see that on s- special days, but I don't know if I can do that. You know, fifty-two <laughs> weeks. You know, you know, coming yeah. about this. You know, but but you have some churches right, that right. no longer look like church. It's it's literally a platform. It's right. literally a stage, and you know, but if that's again, if that's who you are trying to attract, then that's who you are. That's who you're going to, or to, if that's who you're trying to attract. You will set up your ministry so you can attract those kinds of, of, of individuals. I also will say this, and, I, and I'll shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I think part of the culture of the church, where it's like, "Hey, you know, it's better over here. Let me let me go." I don't think that's just a church thing. Mm, I think that's I a mean, cultural thing. Uh, yeah, because it happens with work. That's what I'm going at. My my generation, I believe, is the last generation that that heard, hey, get you a good job, stay there, retire, get your benefits. Whereas the generation that came up right behind me, they were like, I'm going with whoever paying me the most. I'm I'm looking for 
oh, I'm updating my resume every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, where where I'm I was used to, you know, at the end of the year, time for taxes, you know, you got one, you know, you know, W two, W nine. The, the next generation, you know, <laughs> I was here for six months, I then I was here. So but in anything that you see in society, you're gonna see in the church. Right. Yeah. Cause, and cause, so that's a part of what we're dealing with now, I think. Because now when you talk about the workforce, it's like, forget your nine to five. Everybody become an entrepreneur now. Yeah. Start your own, you know. Everybody's yeah. Because yeah. everybody's, you know, dwindling in the labor community, even yeah. in church. Everybody's church. Mm-hmm. People don't want to work no more. And that's why you get pastors with themselves as the members. That's that's why you let that's why that's why you let um AI preach messages now. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I was looking at the I was looking at the header. Innovation versus traditional church. What if there was an apostolic church hmm. and it's it's Easter, all right, and um they advertise we're gonna have, you know, an AI produced worship service and they're mm-hmm. you know putting out the advertisement for mm-hmm. four weeks straight come Masses. we're going to be at the coliseum we're going to da, 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 da. <laughs> now the church itself may only be let's say 150 members but yeah. they really want to have a huge evangelistic thrust on on that weekend mm-hmm. i don't know you guys may have to help me out i don't know if you can program the chat gpt so that it it preaches an apostolic message. Right. <laughs> I, you know, uh, give me something on the apostolic doctrine. I, I don't know mm-hmm. if it'll come off the same way, but what if you could? Mm-hmm. Is that too far? So, oh, you can't. You, you, uh, you, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, Brian. You go, Dre. I'll go after you. No, no, no. You go ahead. Okay. So, <laughs> you, so oddly enough, I've been asked this question um, before. Being a young pastor, I've been asked this question. Um, and my response always with these types of kind of hypothetical questions is oftentimes it's hard for you to make a, a declaration, a statement about how you really feel about it. But for me, it's always the fruit. What does it produce? Mm-hmm. So, you know, the tree by the fruit it bears. So, so you ask these questions like, you know, when we have an AI service or, you know, when it's too far or, or you know, all of those types of hypothetical questions. For me, it all boils down to the fruit that thing produces, and and sometimes, and this is just Brian. I I, I tend to I tend to be the benefit of the doubt type of individual in most mm-hmm. cases, and it actually drives my wife nuts. She hates it. She's always like, "You always give everybody the everybody's great. I'm the innocent until proven guilty type of guy. That's just me." And so sometimes it's like I let stuff play out, and then it's like, "Hey, either this is gonna yield some fruit." And we'll do it again, or it's gonna be a bomb, and then we gonna know next time. Don't ever even ask me <laughs> to even consider doing nothing like that because the answer is no. This so, will never happen again. <laughs> my, my my thing with AI only I don't know how good it would be only from the standpoint of seeing other people and how they're using AI in different arenas. Uh, say for example, there was a article about somebody using it on their school paper. Mm-hmm. Dissertation. They, only, they yeah. only got a C, you know. Yeah. To them, that's great because they pass. But AI has a level; it has a limit. And even when you ask it to produce something, you still have to go back through it 
and make sure what it produces is what you're looking for. So just because you ask it to produce something doesn't mean it's going to give you what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And I think from just going strictly, if you just had an AI service, you might get things that you're not looking for because mm-hmm. AI is only as good as the people that programmed it. That's true. People that put it together. It may say. It may say. Kurt Franklin is better than Ty Trivet. Then you know we know it all has sense. Now, Brad, Brad, I was was going to say I I got better of a counterpoint on that because, again, we've all been to many services, Mm -hmm. and services have a formula to them. They do. Preaching has a formula to it, It like anything else. Mm -hmm. So now, whether this AI preacher comes to something of substance, maybe, maybe not. But that Sometimes formula still come to something. Right, but, right because but, but that formula on, still applies. If I hit this note this way, if I spin it this way, if I pull this lever, <laughs> they're gonna do this. And if I go that way, then it's gonna be banging. Then the organ comes in, and then they're not listening to anything I'm saying because they shout. Uh, right. Well, that no it just go. It goes back to <laughs> it, goes, it goes back to what Bishop Ferris said. It's the type of audience that you're you're gearing towards or you're looking for. Are you looking for that audience that's just going to be emotional and? the AI can pull on the emotion and send them into a frenzy or you're looking for the audience that the AI has to give them uh, details and information uh, and really build. But all I'm saying, the point is that the AI, they say it learns from whatever it's given to learn from and it pulls from whatever it's able to pull from. And so in its pulling, it could pull something that may not be doctrinally true or what we believe as you know pentecostal apostolics and if you're not there you know guiding it while it's talking it, it's just gonna say what it's gonna say what, and, what what if you put something in on the back end and you say you know i want a oneness theology yeah, message on salvation yeah. so so but, but then but then to your point bishop it will pull from people that create that oneness and people that have that thought on theology but what if their theology is not the oneness? Because their variations of oneness is so. So that's what I'm saying. So that's almost it. There's our oneness. The Trinity oneness. You would have to almost get so specific. Yeah. <laughs> because you know, if I got to do, do all that, I might as well get up myself. Get up and yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But 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 the thing about AI is, I I, I think I think right now I, I think we we don't. We we short sell it, um, and this is why. So there's over a billion interpretations from an AI codex standpoint, and literally they pull these ideas in seconds, and they replicate based off of conversations of human interaction. Like they go through staples and information portals text messages I'm, I'm talking about surfing the web we had a whole webinar on what ai is already doing so they go into the the vastest corners the darkest spaces of the net and they pull from it i don't know if anybody saw this but the conversation the kid had with the ai have y'all heard about that no i don't think when I the kid when when, when when the kid no, not the suicide one. It's when the kid asked the AI if it was good or bad. Mm. Then it went into a biblical stance. Mm. And then it started talking in the form of a mischievous entity, mm. a demon. Mm. 
mm. based off how the father gave the perspective of it. So, like, it, it to me, I feel it's more is is getting to a point to where people from a spiritual nature are tapping into it. Yeah, and it's becoming it is 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 becoming very mm-hmm. yeah like so, <laughs> so you got to be kicked. go ahead it's, it's, so is is are you would you suggest that there is a i know i'm supposed to be a guest i'm throwing out y'all questions so would, are you all suggesting then that there is a or is there a limit to innovation in the church <laughs> because and, 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 I'm, and I'm saying that on, on one hand because I know we're talking about technology mm-hmm. but those of us who remember a more conservative church those guys themselves were innovators yeah, yeah. you know when you look at our the, the founder of our organization um, Bishop Hancock you look at um, Bishop G.T. Haywood, mm-hmm. some of our fathers, even that uh, came after them, the Bishop Singletons and, and on and on and on, they were innovators of their day and time. And mm-hmm. I, I would say, I would say, um, and, I, and I know uh, Pastor Mark Moore Jr., um, he is innovative for our day and, and time. But are we suggesting at some point there's a limit? To innovation, I'm not saying that you know. God knows, I'm not saying Pastor Mark Moore is is, is too yeah. too much too far. But uh-huh. if if we're saying okay, AI produced sermons may not yield what we think they should yield. Is uh-huh. where's the where's the cap? Where's where's? But I I I just think Bishop. Well, in terms of AI sermons, so just in terms of sermons, it, it's still got to be a God relationship. Um, mm-hmm. AI God, God, God is the one, <laughs> as we all know, God, God is the well, one that, that calls the preacher. Siri, show ain't saved. God is the one that calls the preacher, and and it should be God the one is the one that's speaking to the people. And I think maybe AI could maybe help give a perspective, maybe that's outside of maybe somebody's thought process, mm-hmm. but to wholly rest on maybe ai having the floor for the sermon it almost to me like it takes the god out of the church mm-hmm. and sets up another voice yeah you'd be pulling i can't work oh. in alexa uh, no. I'm not. So, I'm just, I, I was just about to ask, so, like, hey, God, God didn't get him to so, get so, that GPT. I'm not saying that God is limited in any way, shape, or form to where he can work in whatever he wants to. He's all sovereign, almighty, you know. Uh, he can do whatever he wants to do. But there are other things that can jump into there as well. That is true. So, so, so I'm going to say no. You can't be innovative with AI because it, it's, it's, it's too. It, it it has too much that we know nothing about. It's it's literally like an abyss mm-hmm. of information, and we don't know necessarily where all of this information is coming from. Mm-hmm. Like I said, there you know, of course, you know, we have to be weary of evil devices, and devices doesn't always have to be physical. Mm-hmm. It could be internal. And Go to, ahead, Brent. I was just about to say, and I, I'm done. Uh, that's what got us in the. And the problem in the first place is knowledge. If we go, if we go back <laughs> to the beginning, 
if we somebody go, send this man an offering. Let me let me get this out for Norm. Let us now. No, don't be on that time limit. If we go back to the beginning, God told you know Adam, don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. All right, so the tree had knowledge. Yeah. But it had knowledge that wasn't necessary for Adam's that's, life. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. It wasn't necessary to know that he was naked. It wasn't necessary to know anything other, you know, than that knowledge that what, what God was giving him. Watch your tone, Reverend. And, I hear you. I know. And, uh, <laughs> and, then, and then the Bible tells us that in the end, that knowledge is going to increase yeah. as a sign of the time. It's happening and now. So we, we have to be careful when we're just in a position where we just want to take in all this knowledge, take in all this knowledge. And we have to ask ourselves, it, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost there. Is, I told you. I got an ear for the preaching. Is this knowledge necessary mm -hmm. for the part of the kingdom that I'm in or the part of my purpose that I, that I have to do for God? Go ahead. Go ahead. Norman. No, no, you, you, you go, you go. Uh, and I mean, what scared me, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I like to outsource, you know, individuals in the in the IT world. The the honorable Elon Musk, when he said he was scared mm -hmm. about AI, yeah, yeah. I Him said, oh all yeah. yeah. I mean, I, we all need when, to be afraid. <laughs> 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 and then Jeff Bezos second that. They said if 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 we completely rely on AI, I mean, well, it's iRobot. They told us it would happen a long time ago. You yeah. remember what's happening today? You just watched the movies from the last decade. It's, yeah, yeah. iRobot yeah, so, Terminator. Terminator. No, yeah. so so I I would say to answer Bishop's question, and I know I know time's getting away. We got to roll, but um, I would say this: um, is innovation? Can there ever be a limited innovation? I would say no, but I will also say you need to. To Brandon's point, with knowledge, you need to apply wisdom to it. Yeah. It's the application of that knowledge. I mean, yeah. if you look at innovation as as a as a as a blanket thing, Henry Ford was credited by saying that if I asked them what they wanted, they would ask for faster horses. Mm -hmm. That's the innovation because he he Everybody brought up something totally different with the car, That's right? Good. Which was a positive innovation. Mm -hmm. However, if you flip it and go to John Oppenheimer, who was the father of the atomic bomb, right, right, you would say that will be. A negative innovation because now you're destroying things, yeah. right? So, so it's really but about the innovation how, led to so many other positive, positive things, right? right. So it's it's, it's, it's going to be a balance yeah. in everything. But see, yeah. to my my submission would be applying wisdom to that knowledge so you know how to best use this new innovation because technology is not going to stop. That's just nope. the world True. we live in, mm -hmm. and and unfortunately, because me me and Brian we had to do a presentation to the pastors about how AI would work because mm -hmm. it's it's coming. It's a thing. So you have to be armed with the knowledge and the wisdom to really work in this new environment. Yeah. Well, well, I was coming from the standpoint of, of just kind of isolated to, to AI teaching mm -hmm. sermons. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't put that in any type of perspective of the future. I wouldn't want it in any ministry that I attend. I mean, because like I said, that abyss of information, it, it will capture your attention. And I'm not sure if it's the right attention to have mm -hmm. to be captured. And then you start to put emote because once AI starts benefiting and understanding how humans resonate off emotion, mm. it's over. Yeah. 
Think about it. Any final questions or statements? <laughs> There's, I, I, I've been sitting here listening, but trying to think of a movie. I can't remember the name of the movie. I think it's like a, a female's name, but it's it's um, Lucy. Megan. Lucy. AI reminds me of, of Lucy pulling from everything and mm. going. Um, and, that movie uh, was scary, man. I did not like that movie. I was yeah. like, turn this off. This is the devil. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the way it ended was like, okay, we're getting ready to start all over again. Uh, it was almost like a Garden of Eden type, type yeah, thing. Yeah. And um, while while uh, Brandon was preaching, uh, <laughs> I, I thought I thought about uh, the story of the Bible where uh, the woman, the little girl, had the spirit of divination, and she's following mm. them, saying, you know, "These are the great men of God that lead us to sal salvation." What she said was the truth, mm -hmm. but the spirit behind it right. uh, was was the off part, and so. They they tempered the truth by casting out the spirit. So I think there's I think it goes really back to uh, how how you all started the, the whole conversation and asked the question in regards to um, the balance. There has to be balance, or else we're we're all going to go off um, in 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 the deep end. So yeah. Uh, but I appreciate this. This conversation, I, I didn't know if I was going to be nerd enough, but um, I think you can still change. <laughs> well, well, fellas, let's give it up for our special guest. Okay. I appreciate, I appreciate it. you tonight, and we appreciate uh, in the chat. So if you could just drop it in the chat if you appreciate uh, our conversation and and your thoughts on the conversation, feel free to share those in the in the comment section. Um, until next time, this has been an episode of the Church Nerds, uh, and we will see you next week. Uh, we got Gabe Jordan, Dre Buford, Norman Heath, The Real Walls, Brandon Travis, and our special guest, Suffolk Bishop Daryl Fair. Me. We out, y'all. See you next time. Yeah. Deuces. Yeah.